All right, here we oh, are. Sometimes you just don't know what to say that's pithy and quippy other than quoting, Oh, Lord, bless this thy holy hand grenade of Antioch. <laughs> so get ready. With it thou mayst blow thine enemies to tiny bits in thy mercy. <laughs> I'm looking for my coconut. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another Spotted Goats podcast. We are the goats. I'm Nathan. And I am Jeff. And today we're going to be taking a bit of a nerdy stroll into literature land. Mm, Ready, kids? This is Nathan's world. Uh, you know, um, I want us to be able to take a look today. Uh, building, once again, these first several episodes are just to build a foundation mm-hmm. of how we look at or how we should look at the text. In the text. How we, you know, we should be <laughs> able to, um, I want us to be able to understand responsibly how to use the scripture, Yep. how to experience the scripture, yep. how to interact with the scripture. Because for so long, we have done it poorly. Now, I, um, and I give a lot of credit, there are a lot of Listen, I am, I'm trained in this, but I'm not an expert in this. Okay. Uh, so don't call me a theologian. I am not, I'm not a church history guy, although I like church history. I'm not, I'm not a Hebrew or Greek scholar, although I know some Greek, I know how to approach it because I studied it, but I'm rusty, man. I'm really rusty. So (laughs) I, I look, you want to know something? You want to know a dirty little Uh, secret? I want to know it all. I study out of the new King James, but I read the new living. (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> when I'm down for an evening of just me time, <laughs> you want some crazy scripture? <laughs> so, but, so I say all these things to say that um, I want us just to be able to build a foundation. I want your, you as listeners, obviously, to continue. I want you to feel free that you can ask questions about how to do these things. There is a technical side to looking at the scriptures. Well, and here's the thing that I want to I want to call out because I am very much a novice, and I get really wrapped up in listening to you with your passion for text. I love and, it. Even though I'm bad that. at it. Oh, I, I beg to differ. Um, because a novice like me who, I mean, I didn't really have folks that were around that had done that type of study, right? right. right? I mean, we were told this is what you believe when you read these words. There mm-hmm. was nothing past that. And for those of you that aren't aware, the Cumberland Presbyterian movement, when the Cumberland got added to the Presbyterian, um, there was a little bit of a low churching, uh, and that's not a derogatory <laughs> term, but it was kind of taking the church to the people. And in that, some of these you know technical learnings and teachings were gone. But here's what I want to call out, because I find this to be so very vital. When we look at our God, he is truly a God for everybody in every way, every minute of every day. Everywhere. And what is so cool is while here we are joking about, oh, you know, a little me time, which translation do I grab? Or I'm doing study and I go grab this other one. The fact of the matter is the message that is sent that we can sit down on a Friday night mm-hmm. and read Mark like we're seeing the <laughs> next edition of Mission Impossible. Right. Or we can wake up on a Sunday morning and discover, you know, ancient poetry. The text really is for all people. Mm-hmm. And there are certain ways of looking at it that can really bring it to life. I challenge folks to go find a Bible that doesn't have verse numbers. Oh, yeah. And just read it. 
it's fantastic. So yeah. By the, the way, for those of you who didn't know, they're not in the original text. <laughs> just just throwing that out. Wait, there. wait, wait. We we don't see verse numbers in all those letters that were written. Nope, nope. Mm. Shockingly enough, Paul, Shockingly enough, Paul did not use uh, Roman numerals uh, in, in his Hebrew writing when he wrote in Hebrew <laughs> and Greek. But anyway, I want you to take us there. But I think that that is something that is so vital when we think about the text. I should say Roman numerals. I mean English numerals. He probably did use Roman numerals because, <laughs> God, I'm an idiot. Anyway, go ahead. But but that's, you know, the point being is that it this this text is very, very important. Right. And it really can be read in so many different ways. And when you start talking about the different types, I just get wrapped because when I hear you talk about it, the next time I pick it up, I'm like, oh, I just saw something I never saw before. So yeah. everybody at home, listen, because you're about to, <laughs> to have some truth bombs dropped on you. So first of all, we're going to help you a little bit. First of all, shout out to Rob Bell. Not that he's ever going to listen to our podcast, <laughs> uh, but Rob Bell wrote a book that I find amazing. It's called What is the Bible? Mm. Catchy title. I know, right? Uh, I like short, straight, and to the point. Uh, he goes over a lot of this stuff. Now, these notes are not drawn from that book, although many of these notes will go along what he writes okay. about in that book. But I find that book uh, highly engaging. We're going to include on our website uh, spottedgoatspodcast.com, not smokinggoats.com. <laughs> I almost said it again. Uh, we're going to include a book list uh, and things that you should read on there as well. But uh, it's an amazing book that I, I would highly recommend you taking a, a look at. But first of all, we need to understand that the Bible is not one book. Hmm. It is a library. Novel idea. I know. Oh, oh you a, like a li- <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> uh, we're going to turn the page on that My one. My wife uh, is very proud right now. It is a library of 66 books spanning a time period of 2,000 or so years. And some would say probably more than that. For example, there's a huge argument to be made that Isaiah literarily-wise, that's not even a word, but in the terms of literature, Isaiah might be four books. Oh, wow. Uh, Genesis 1 through 11. I wrote a paper in college about how Genesis 1 through 11, I believe, is a separate piece of of Mm. literature from the rest of the book, 12 through 50. Um, But as we have it now, the 66 books that make up the Bible are a library. So we have to look at... There's no reason to throw your phone like that, Jeff. Well, you know, you've already made me somatic. <laughs> I get that a lot. I just want to give William a challenge for later. So it's a, so it's a, a, a compendium of different types of literature. So uh, all the different genres of literature in the Bible, you have things, first of all, the ones that really stick out, especially in the Old Testament, are things like narrative, stories. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean reporting. Get the difference? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're going to read a story, but that doesn't mean that it's a report. Mm. Sometimes you look at First and Second Kings and then compare it to First and Second Chronicles, they tell the same stories, but from a different point of view. So one comes from a theological view, First and Second Kings, more personal, more I was there, I saw this, and God did this and all this. First and Second Chronicles, more of a... Uh, newspaper style. Mm, okay. You know, so they have different purposes. So within these genres, by the way, you have to ask yourself, what purpose did they write right. them for? Uh, so narrative stories, once again, doesn't necessarily mean reporting. Genesis, flash, uh, newsflash. It's not a history document. What? I know. Anyway. Um, but it, it's got a chronology. It does, doesn't it? Mm, so, But okay. we have to ask ourselves, and we're not going to do this on this podcast because <laughs> this would take entirely too long. For those of you who want to do a deep dive into the literary uh, nuances 
especially of the Old Testament. Go start at episode zero of the Bama podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's brilliant. Uh, Marty and Brent and now their whole crew – I know this is the second straight episode that we've mentioned them, yeah. but but I will say that um, it's it's probably one of the most life changing experiences to listen to uh, sessions one through four of the Bama podcast. If you truly want to experience the Bible with its literary nuances, I think it's one of those things that should be saved for the church. As one who has done this recently, it will blow your mind. Yeah, it will. So and, shout and out to them. it's very enriching. It doesn't, this isn't something that's going to tear apart your faith. It's actually going to build it by showing you things you didn't know before. Right. So let's uh, go to the next, uh, the next genre. One is law. Ooh, the good stuff. Yeah, the really This is where I get to smack you, right? 117 oh. ways to kill a goat. <laughs> and, and we don't like killing goats around here. Um, it, but it's God's path of, of his people's distinctiveness, God's, God's plan for his people's distinctiveness. Hmm. It, and and there, is a lot, there are a lot of uh, philo- uh, philosophical and the- theological nuance in there, but what makes God's people separate from everyone else? Hmm. So it's a list of how we do what we do and why? And why, but they don't necessarily say why mm, okay. sometimes you have to experience the why mm. so but but law are the for example if you if you're out there new to the text and you want to know what law is take a quick gander down leviticus mm, those uh, fun ones oh it's it's fantastic uh, it can be a dry read but when you know what you're looking at it's so rich uh wisdom literature they are sayings that are, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm literally quoting Marty here, but it's sayings <laughs> that are generally true. So give me an example of what a wisdom book would be. Anything in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, uh, which is easily digestible. Easily digestible, quippy, really quick. And so, you know, if I were to tell you that, you know, the, the fruit, I, I'm, this is not an actual proverb that I'm quoting, but if I were to tell you that the fruit of a righteous man's hand is always good. Mm, okay. You know the fruit of his work. I get it. The fruit of his work yep. is always good. Does that mean that every time a righteous man does something, good is going to come out of it? No, but it no. means I can trust him. Most yes, of the time. it's generally true. It's a proverb. It's wisdom. Uh, it's wisdom. Psalms, mm. worship. They are. They it is poetry. It is songs. I uh, actually am working on something right now, and I just did uh, an entire section on the on the Psalms, and I find the Psalms to be David's diary. Mm, yes, very much. Uh, and you, and in the Psalms, you're going to get every emotion under the sun. You're going to get yeah. anguish and pain and glory and happiness and repentance and sadness and loss. It's all there. And I find it so powerful that usually the middle of your Bible just falls open. <laughs> well, and uh, having friends who just got back from Israel, uh, they actually took uh, some time, and I think they call it the Valley of the Psalms, mm-hmm. where the 23rd Psalm was written. And I had never considered it that these Psalms have settings that were real. Yeah. Right? You yeah. know, um, it's just like listening to a Luke Combs song, thinking about Friday <laughs> night, we're going to be down at such and such. I yeah. can feel the sawdust What's the old under Mel my feet. McDaniel, Louisiana Saturday right, night. Right, yeah. exactly. And I think that's the thing is that we sometimes forget that our God is a creative God and that these Psalms, uh, these songs and worship uh, and poetry very much has a creative bent to it. And that in a lot of ways, just like those emotions of that song you listen to with your first girlfriend, right? that we can experience some of those How exact same... <laughs> yeah, anyway, sorry. We can experience those same things. <laughs> 
about our God. Right. And I think that is absolutely magnificent that he provides that. Um, and that's one of the reasons I find the Bible to be divinely inspired is right. he's reaching us on so many different ways. Yeah. And don't get me started on, on, you know, why have, you know, we're going to, we actually, we're going to be looking down the line at arts and the, the arts and artists and why has the church abandoned them? Mm. But yeah, the arts are so powerful and we, we experience the arts in the Psalms. Yep. Uh, prophecy. Prophecy is a message or a call to repentance. And when we read in, for example, Isaiah, Jeremiah, mm-hmm. Ezekiel, Daniel, there are yep. many, 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 many different prophets that were sent to different times to or around God's people, sometimes not even to God's people. I'm looking at you, Jonah, oh. where, where there is a message that has been given to incite change. Yep. So, so that... Prophecy. We oftentimes think about prophecy as telling the future, right? You know, um, many times that that really intricate uh, intricate telling the future is something like, if you don't change what you're doing, you're gonna die. Hmm. I may have heard that from my father at some point. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, but there is that, and, and it's not the most engaging sometimes. But when you when you know that it is a separate literary piece and it mm-hmm. has a certain function. Uh, it's really, really vibrant. So this isn't really necessarily a warning genre as in no. in the year 2252, we're going to see a fire in California and a flood in Canada and get ready because God's coming In back. fact, I would tell you that it's not that. Oh, okay. I no, would, novel idea. Now that's my personal opinion, but that's not what it is. Sorry, okay. left behind. I'm looking at you. Uh, the Gospels. You, you just it? made it where Kirk Cameron's never coming on our show. <laughs> no, well, you know what? A man can dream. Um, <laughs> the Gospels, the Gospels, the, the good news of Jesus, the Evangelion. That is what the good news means. Say what? Evangelion. It's, it's a Greek term, which means it's where we get the gospel. Okay. It, it is a word that means good news. By the way, the, that same term was used with every new Roman emperor. When he came in, he released an Evangelion. He released good news. He released mm. his gospel. So, so when the gospel of Jesus, that's why these are called gospels. These are literally the theological, I, I love this term because it doesn't make any sense and I made it up a long time ago in college. It is a, <laughs> it is a theological anti-parallel. It is a contrarian gospel to the gospel of its, of its uh, historical situation. Huh. But it's also a familiar yes. literary tool. If I'm a Roman, I know what, and say the word again? Evangelion. Is, because I've seen... Or euangelion, depending on how some people describe it. Because I've seen the change in power, and I've seen this come through. So and the now, new, all of a sudden, this guy's coming into the world and saying mm-hmm. he's the son of God, and there is a... Euangelion. Evangelion. And I know what that means. Obama had one. Hope oh, and change. Uh, Oh, Trump had one. Make America great again. How about that? You know, all of these different. Th- every emperor or modern leader usually has a marketing plan, and, and that marketing plan is their gospel. Wow, and that's a place that we can actually spend some time mm-hmm. because there's several different iterations of this from several different personality types that is written to several different types of folks. Mm-hmm. So yet again, God is providing in all ways. Yeah, and Jesus is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So what you're basically telling me is, is that because we have the four gospels, we've basically got this Evangelion. Yeah, good in job. Four different languages. So we've got English covered, Spanish covered, <laughs> we've got Italian and French. And don't forget and Cohen right there. And don't forget Cohen A Greek, which is everyone's favorite dead language. <laughs> uh, but but you you've got all these, uh, you've got this purposeful effort to hmm. announce the coming of a king. 
How about that? And that's what the gospel is. And that's what the gospels are. They are not reports. They are proclamations. How about that? Pretty powerful. Changes a little bit. It does. And then also apocalyptic. Uh, it is a foretelling, a revealing. And unlike uh, my my favorite genre of film, post-apocalyptic dystopia, uh, shout <laughs> out to... Just because you're a fun guy. <laughs> oh, listen, Blade Runner is my jam. The only, the only time I ever liked futuristic non-dystopia is Star Trek, and I won't even get started there. But, <laughs> but it is a foretelling. It is a story of hope. It is a, you, you may be going through it now, but hope is coming. Mm. And that's the message of Revelation, for example. There is apocalyptic literature in Daniel. Um, mm. the, it is a very unique genre. But I, so I, I say all this to, to lay out all of these different genres, and there are more subgenres that we have to understand. The Bible is a collection of these literary genres, okay? So it's like a bookstore. You're going to have encyclopedias. You're going to have history books. You're going to have magazines. You're going to have comic books. You're going to have poetry books. You're going to have writing journals. And how did we get to this? How did we get to what? The 66. How did we get to all these genres? Oh, my God. We don't have time for that. book with one (laughs) binding and lots of page numbers. Yeah. It was a long process uh, that God had a lot to do with uh, and throughout the centuries. Council after council after council of scribes and church leaders over time, which we don't have time to go into in this episode, but it has been meticulously shepherded for 2,000 years by people who I think God put them in their place at their time. I'm fully confident in in my personal opinion that the canon that we have is accurate. I think, I don't think that there's anything else that we need. And we are missing. I don't. I, I don't subscribe to that. And I don't think that there's anything in our modern uh, agreed upon canon that shouldn't be in there. Even though some of it is pretty weird. Okay. Unless we look at it in the right way, it seems kind of weird. You, you nixed my. Is it complete? Before I could even ask. Is I think, it complete? I, I believe that. I believe that it is because I trust that God would not leave us incomplete. Got it. Um, and I believe that nothing can be added to it because the canon that we have was there. At the time of its of of the the active storytelling of God on Earth, I don't want this to seem like an interview, but you have such a knowledge here that I, I do really not don't. Add. It's so, just so skin deep. One of the things <laughs> you get some thick skin. Um, <laughs> True. One of the things that uh, I find really interesting is, you know, what different ways do we interpret this this text? Uh, I've heard the word exegesis. Yes. Can you walk us through that a little bit? Exegesis versus asegesis are two hermeneutical, uh, they're two hermeneutical processes. Hermeneutics is just the, the process through which we interpret the text. Um, okay. It's our methodology. Think of it that way. Vocab word for the week. I know. Hermeneutic. He was a great guy. Makes excellent baklava. Uh, <laughs> exegesis is the process of pulling out what the text intends to say. Asegesis is reading into the text what we want it to say. Mm, okay. So perhaps the blessing of a certain political party. Correct. Okay. We're, yeah. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Uh, and we have to understand original intent and audience. Otherwise, we just aim to get what we want to hear out of the text. I think we had a, a minister here that used to say a text without a context is a pretext. Is, yeah, it's just a con. <laughs> it's just a con. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you have to understand the Bible wasn't written to us. Right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry. To, I, want, I want everybody to think about this because I'm not trying to be flippant. The Bible was not written to you. No one listening to this podcast is the original the, the original recipient of the text. 
And that's why it's so important to learn about those original recipients, because if we can learn who they are and were, uh, then we can possibly understand the words a little bit more Mm -hmm. so that we can apply in a more efficient, uh, realistic way. Right. So we have to look at we have to be able to be taught about context. Also, how to you know, you you yourself read a newspaper differently than you would read fiction. Yes. Right? So we have to understand that we have to know the genre of the text before we start trying to interpret the text. Yes. And how can they learn without a teacher? Hmm. And that's the problem, I believe, that we've experienced in the modern American church, Mm. uh, especially post things like the Reformation. I'm hearing some postmodernism. Uh, well, I'm, I'm just saying that in the Reformation, we, we, were, we were given a term called sola scriptura. Ooh, fancy. Sola scriptura is, it simply means scripture alone. Scripture, it, it, what it means is scripture is clear to the, quote, rational reader and its own interpretation and is its own interpretation. So in other words, we don't need no priest. Hmm. Well, I, I'm okay with that. But what it fleshed out into, other than the big idea, which was all we need is the Bible, is that now I believe, and once again, look, if you guys have listened to us this long, I'm just going to say things, and, and, and it's okay if I go back on it and you can disagree with me, and I may change my mind later. And I may disagree with you here in a second. I think it's go a disdain it. that appeared for actual, intelligently responsible interpretation and scholarship. That's where we've ended up. Hmm. In the modern American church... I think the idea of sola scriptura, which we we garnered from the Reformation, has led to almost anti-theology. Hmm. It's led us to a point where we shun educated opinions. And I'm not saying I am an educated opinion. I'm simply saying that we have to be careful yes. because to say, all I need is my Bible, yeah, I know what you're trying to say. But you have to ask yourself if Balaam's donkey actually spoke. Of course he did. You have to ask, and I'm not saying he did or didn't, but you have to ask yourself (laughs) these questions. Am I making sense? You are making sense, and that's one of the things. Such uh, a hard topic. It it is. Well, it's a hard topic in certain tribes, and you guys are going to know, again, using guys, (laughs) non-gendered there. um, Y'all. Y'all. Y'all are going to hear us talk about this. And there, when we use the word tribe, of course, we're referring to denominations or groups of people, not literal tribes, so mm-hmm. to speak, or I mm-hmm. guess you could say spiritual tribes. Uh, but I think there are certain tribes that take this on and do better with this than others do. Uh, I think some have followed blindly for generations um, where the generations, a generation uh, that, that originally translated and gave out the edict as to what this means is now gone. Mm -hmm. And through the generations, the message has been lost. Mm -hmm. But because we believe in this sola scriptura, I've got everything I need and I'm sure it's fine. Mm -hmm. Where there are other tribes, Christians as well, uh, that have said, whoa, you know, hold on. We we may not need a priest to... um, discern every single word yeah, to as intermediate a, right yeah. as as uh, some of our more um you know staunch catholic friends might say that you know i i can't interpret alone i right. need a priest right. to help which is fine um but there are some some other tribes that have said hold on we need to be an 
educated laity and have created uh, ways to teach and learn and grow. And you will hear me plug this quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, EFM, Education for Ministry. I don't care if you're Episcopalian or not. I am not. But if you want to get into the word and have folks that are educated, whether they have the letters behind their name, um, or if they are just plain folks that have been in a church and have taken it upon themselves to dedicate their life to study, it is an avenue. And I really think it's one of the things uh, to hold it up when we're studying the Word. And what I challenge all our, our listeners to do is to find folks that have taken the time to do like you have done. You've taken a deep look. You have looked at translations. You have looked at the type of literature. (laughs) And you meet with folks like me who go, I want to know more. Because if we come together as a body, we can understand the words a little bit more. And some churches have institutionalized that with programs like Education for Ministry. Mm -hmm. And what is so amazing is how we can learn so much from each other but it's not an uneducated learning. It's not just sitting in a room, gazing at your navel, reading the book of John and going, I know exactly what that means. But I want to also say this. If, if all you have is your Bible, mm-hmm. I believe God can tell you all you need Absolutely. to know. I am not saying that it is required that you do any deep dive on language. I'm not saying that whatsoever. I believe that God speaks and I shut up. Okay. Right. And and so in that sola scriptura is correct. I sure. think that his word is all you need. But we have to be careful. Yes. And what and in the age of information that we are once again we're losing the battle, why would we as a as a modern church not try to take advantage of all the scholarship that is available out Absolutely. there and be open to things instead of fearing them? Yes. You, you you've heard the uh, and I, and if I'm incorrect, I want some of you guys to email me, but but I believe I heard where the the board of the ESV said that their by Bible is now perfect and will never be updated. Um, I, I don't, I don't like that. Send your emails to Jeff Bezos at Amazon.com. <laughs> no, the, um, but, but I just have a hard time with that. I have, I have a oh, hard yeah. time with that idea. And if I'm incorrect, then please correct me. But that was my interpretation of it yep. because we in America have shown that we never know when to pump the brakes on a movement. <laughs> uh, we know we, the reformation had some great ideas, for example, but, but if it followed to its uh, end on its own, it can't be self-perpetuating and it's not just reformation. It's any movement. Uh, but we have to build a th- theology that reflects God. Yep. Not a God that reflects our theology. Yep. Regardless of where that might take us or the fear thereof. Yes. So we have to, if we properly look at the Bible and how it's intended to be interpreted, how it's intended to be read, then we will find the God of Scripture. Uh, if we just go and try to find a way that we're going to oppress a certain people, we can find it in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, we can find a way. To, we can find a way to. You know, the, God forgive us. There were people that used things in the Book of Genesis to to justify racism. Yes. Um, if you want to read it wrong, you can read it quick. Yes. Well, and uh, I think we're getting close to the end yeah. of our session yeah, yeah, yeah. here. I'm nerding uh, out. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, Nathan, one of the things that you brought up to me, and you're going to have to put some pieces together here since we didn't rehearse this. Okay. Um, I remember in in one discussion you and I had on your porch, 
um, the discussion of the proclamation of women's place in the church and how it was meant to uh, liberate women and that they were to have a role. And you shared a story of how the words that Paul was using was actually quoting some Roman... I believe it's... Yeah, I believe it is Beth Barr. Okay. I believe... My memory for these things is horrible. The book is called The Origin of Biblical Womanhood. Yes. I would challenge everyone to read it. I have done some research... To, to see yep. if this is true. And and right now I'm, I'm not going to go fully into it because I don't remember all the details. Right. Uh, but there is an argument to be made that, that even Paul, for example, was yes. quoting an earlier Roman edict that mm-hmm. was telling women that had, had manned the, forgive the expression, they had manned the markets while the right. Romans were off to war and they had gotten a lot of wealth. When the soldiers came home, they didn't like it. And the women were told to basically go home and shut up. Hmm. And and there's an argument that Paul was quoting that. I do not know if that's accurate 100%, but it's a very powerful argument. And if that's the case, then we've read the entirety of that passage in 1 Corinthians backwards. And the reason I bring that up is because this is that piece, regardless, you made these words, regardless of where it takes you. Regardless of where it takes us. As we dive into the word, we're going to learn things that make us uncomfortable that doesn't mean it's wrong. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's right either. Right, right. Discomfort is not an indicator that you have found it the secret. It is a secrets, neutral thermometer. But it's okay to be uncomfortable and to lean in. And as you lean into that discomfort, much like a therapy setting, mm-hmm. as you lean into that discomfort, what's going to happen is is all those things that are covert, all those things that are um, hiding underneath the surface are going to come to light and become overt. And as we bring the these messages from the hidden to the visible, right. what happens is, is we heal. Yeah. We can literally not only enjoy this as an action-packed thriller of God's people mm-hmm. or a chronology of where God moved throughout time. A story of the pedigree of Jesus. I mean, this can literally heal those wounds that we have. Right. Whether it's something as simple as a woman feeling disenfranchised because scripture was read that said she doesn't have a place mm-hmm. if her husband doesn't approve it, all the way to I have been abused sexually by a member of the church and I don't know what to do. Right. By by taking the time to look at the word and look at it in as much of a a uh, complete way that we can, looking for those meanings, regardless of where it takes us, the potential is there to heal and grow. Mm-hmm. And if all you've gathered from this podcast is that I said that the Bible doesn't teach that women have to be silent, <laughs> that's not what I'm, I'm not, I'm not, this is not about that. Right. It's just you, one example. You need to go back and listen to this again. <laughs> so there's one last thing I want to say, and yeah. then I'll let you close this out sure. and let, like I'm the one to give you permission. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> um, there's a word I learned uh, in school as a government major. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, a legal term, and that term is penumbra. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the few legal terms that stuck with me because it was presented in a way, in a way to read the law. Uh, this was a con law class. But I luckily had a professor that said that this applies also to scripture. And that is, as we read these words, we're not necessarily looking to see was the verb 
conjugated correctly. Right. We are looking for the penumbra. And the penumbra of the law or the penumbra of the scripture is the glow that it puts off. What is what is emanating from the word? Mm-hmm. And so as we started with our holy hand grenade, I want to go. <laughs> well, we say, brought that all together, what, didn't what we? What is glowing from the word as you read? And that is where I think the true meat of the subject is. And that's why anyone, regardless of their education level, yep. can discover God because they can all absorb the glow. Absolutely. We didn't even plan that. How yet. about that? See, we have to we have to find in, in in totality, I have to say, we have to take the totality of scripture and understand that it all tells us of God. Yeah. And his aim for the universe, his supremacy, his intense love and care for his entire entire creation and anything else with the text misses the point of his revealing himself to us mm-hmm. because so we were not the original recipients but the message is for us how about that but just i beg us all before we make more statements we need to ask more questions yes because in asking the questions, that's where we're going to discover the heart of the God that gave human beings this word. Amen. And in that, we will exercise our responsibility of bringing the world to rights. And I can't think of any other way to end this episode. Thank you, Nathan. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right. We'll see you all next time. Talk to you soon.